This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. Theo Greyhawk. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Earl Grey. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today are Richard Marquez. Richard, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you today, Amy? I am great. Very excited for today's episode. And I also have Justin Ozer. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's good to be here doing unsung episodes. Of course, it's a little sad this is the last one, but uh, I think there's some good ones to talk about. Yes, it, we are here, our last season, season seven of our unsung episodes. It has been so much fun to celebrate TNG 30 by looking at each season and recognizing those episodes that didn't get enough love and that we feel that you listeners and that we have enjoyed rewatching and going back to see just what great episodes Next Generation has for us. But before we get started, uh, Richard, we got an email. Why don't you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, we got an email from Antonio, and here's what he wrote. Um, hey, guys, uh, just listened to the latest episode about TNG, Cupid. Like you guys, I also remember mostly en- enjoying it at the time it came out for being a bit of a light relief in a run, uh, in, in a, in a, in a run of otherwise very heavy episodes. They can't all be masterpieces, but this one, is, or this one was at least pretty, uh, pretty good fun. Just wanted to point out uh, one thing about Vash. I remember watching the first episode she appeared on with some friends, and we all uh, we all burst into laughter and nearly spat out our drinks all over the place when she first when she was first introduced herself to Picard in French. Vash. I, I hope I'm saying that right. It's I think v- it's Vash. Vash. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it, so if anyone want to know how it's spelled, it's V A C H E. Uh, and he has in parentheses, pronounced pretty much the same way as, as her name. <laughs> Go figure. Um, literally means cow. Even though they don't make much of it in the show, Picard is supposed to be a native uh, French speaker, and I don't, I don't know a single francophone. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, whose first reaction wouldn't wouldn't be to burst into laughter, even if it was a bit juvenile. If someone, if somebody said uh, said their name was Cal, especially if it was some uh, someone you later tried to get romantic with, obviously this is just an unfortunate oversight by the writers who clearly don't speak French and didn't know any better. But hey, maybe this was the re- uh, the real reason why it never worked out between them. Thanks, uh, thanks for the <laughs> show. It's always great fun to take a nostalgic tour um, over the trek um, of our childhood. Keep it up. I just want to say one thing. I, I was at work when I read this message, and I quite literally spat out my drink when I when I read that. When it was like cow, <laughs> so it was just it was bad. I had to clean up everything. It was great. It was, but it was a good laugh. It made my day. <laughs> yeah, when I read that, I also was at work, and I was like, oh my gosh! And yeah, to point out that Picard is supposed to be French and didn't realize it. Uh, yeah, very funny. And th- thank you so much for letting us know and making us laugh. 
I actually, that you know, Richard, when, when I read that, it caused me to look back at some of the background, like, why does this character have this name? And she was actually named after someone who's a casting director that Iris Stephen Bear, who was working on Next Generation at the time, worked with named Susan Vash. And I think in the you know, in the episodes, they, they call her Vash, um, but I think the real person is named Vash. And I think they must have realized this at a certain point because the French version of The Next Generation doesn't use her name as Vash or Vash, but they changed it to something different. Viriad is what it says on Memory Alpha. So they apparently really? realized it at a certain point that people speaking French and seeing the French version would laugh at that. Wow, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> kind of is. That would have gotten good ratings uh, and a good laugh for all of them to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> we also got some other feedback on our 200th episode on the Babel Conference. And uh, Justin, why don't you read a couple? Uh, sure. So first we got some feedback from uh, Corey Elrod. Uh, who said, happy anniversary. It took me about 30 seconds or so to realize something was wrong uh, or something was off at the beginning. Earl Grey was how I found the network. I'm looking forward to another 200 episodes. So he's referring to uh, at the beginning when we had the old crew of Earl Grey do the the intro. And so that uh, I think caught him off guard. <laughs> yeah, that was so fun. I'm so glad that they did that for us. It was just a treat and made our 200 episode. Yeah. I mean, and, and similarly, Greg Malumbi said, you had me going with the opening of this week's Earl Grey. Well done getting the old crew back together. I thought I was listening to the wrong episode there for a second. <laughs> so we fooled a few people. <laughs> um, and and uh, Christopher Baca said, Cupid is such a fun episode. The first time I saw it was on the ICON, I-C-O-N convention on Long Island at Stony Brook University. Mangel Barrett was the guest and she talked TNG and she brought this new episode of TNG to debut at the con. It was fun seeing it on the big screen with a bunch of Star Trek fans. And boy, am I jealous to hear that. I love watching Star Trek with a ton of fans. It makes it such an amazing experience I think it's, I've heard other stories and I think it's pretty amazing that they used to do that. They'd go to a convention and say, here's this episode that hasn't aired yet. Do you want to see it? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. I mean, that would be as if, you know, at STLV next year, they were like, Hey, we got, you know, a new discovery episode for season two. Want to see it? You yeah. Know, they I, could have done that this August and said, Hey, here's a new episode. They're we probably still finishing them up at that point. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but no, that it, it would have been great. And I don't know if that's something that they just were able to do back then and wouldn't be able to do now. But wow, what a wonderful experience that, uh, that Christopher Baca shared with us. Yes. Well, we finished up our uh, iTunes review for the UK listeners, but we have an amazing iTunes review contest for our U.S. people, listeners. So, Justin, why don't you tell us? I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, so for U.S. listeners, um, if you give us a review between now and December 31st, you'll be put into a, a contest for a drawing for a book that I'm donating, which is The Art of Juan Ortiz for the Next Generation. Now, listeners might know that Juan Ortiz did a book like this for all um, of the episodes of the original series, but he did that this year uh, for all of the episodes of The Next Generation. So there's actually 178 different prints in this book that cover all of the episodes. And I think even for uh, the ones like Encounter at Farpoint and All Good Things, it actually has two panels for them, which is why it's 178. It's an amazing book. I'm actually just going to to show it here because I hadn't seen it for a while. This is a huge book. This is like 15 inches tall. It's like much taller than, you know, my head and torso. So is that a, is that a falcon or or is that supposed to depict on the, the cover? Romulans? Yeah, I think it has something to do with the Romulan episode, but okay. there's there's so much great stuff in here. Um, it's a nice hardcover book. Um, and retails for $50, I think it is. So I think it's quite a nice prize uh, if you enter in the contest and just you know go to iTunes if you're uh, in the U.S., give us a star rating and written review, and you can be entered in the contest to do that. Uh, just be sure you do it before December 31st. Of course, if you're anywhere else and you haven't given us a review on iTunes and you'd like to, please go ahead and do so. But if you're in the U.S., you'll be entered into that contest. 
Yeah, I well, we picked that book up at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas, and they had all the prints displayed in the hallway as you walk yeah. down, you know, for the TNG 30. And boy, each one is so good. And it seems to capture the essence of each episode and just amazing, amazing artwork. It really is. And it was incredible to see all those prints at at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. It was a huge display going, you know, well down the the, the hallway there. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you can imagine 100 and, what did you say, 78 <laughs> 178 prints. 178 prints, yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's a fantastic book, and, and yeah. I definitely have enjoyed flipping through it, and one lucky listener will do so as well. Yes. Well, thank you so much for donating, Justin. That's That's awesome. Well, let's get on to our main topic, and that is Talking Season 7, our unsung episodes. So as usual, we have each chosen three episodes, and we haven't revealed our lists, and so hopefully there won't be too many duplicates. Some seasons we seem to have duplicates and some we don't, and I'm very curious to see if we overlap at all. Now, um, definitely Season 7 has some great episodes, and we have chosen two episodes that most people really, really love. And so we don't need to mention them because they definitely are Harold is great episodes. And those are parallels and all good things. So we took those two off of our list. So everything else is fair game. So Richard, let's have you start us off and give us uh, one of your first picks for season seven. You mean Sub Rosa is not on there as one of the uh, most favorite ones? It could be an unsung. It's definitely yeah, unsung. Maybe. Oh, you mock. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I didn't choose Sub Rosa. So, oh, uh, <laughs> you sort of had my heart going there. No, no, no. Oh, she, she showed her hand. <laughs> Come on, you guessed that before we even recorded this. <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> so, so my favorite, or one of my favorite uh, episodes, and one of, the, one of my, uh, actually one of my favorite ways of be, of showing, a, a showing like the Klingon, uh, the Klingon's traditions and rituals and all that is through Alexander. And I abs- and one of the one of the things that I really love about this se- uh, this season is that firstborn is in this uh, in this one, and we actually see, I guess, him struggling between um, being uh, being a child on the Enterprise and then you know being a Klingon child and you know going through rites of passage, and I really love this episode because, like I said, we see it through the eye of a child, and it just makes it a lot easier to you know basically. I don't want to say dumb it down, but I guess that's what it kind of is um, to make it basic uh, so we can understand it as well. And I absolutely I love this episode. It's definitely one of those ones that not a lot of people like because it's Alexander. <laughs> so but um, aside Alexander, I love I love him them uh, uh, describing to us what what it means to be Klingon. And that's why it chose this one. Yeah. So. Having a Klingon story is always good. I I really do enjoy that and seeing it and experiencing it through Alexander's eyes and what he has to do and the struggle that he has. It it is a great episode. I was this close to putting it on my list, but I thought, Richard loving the Klingons, I bet he'll choose it. (laughs) And I was right. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a great episode. I I really enjoy it as well. I mean, I like Alexander. I like all of the pretty much all the Klingon episodes we've gotten throughout all the iterations of Star Trek. I I, I love all that stuff, um, and it's interesting to see. This is the one where they they have kind of this like story that they're telling through some of like the the play fighting, right? Which is which is kind of interesting and adds adds a different dimension and. And definitely the first time that I saw this, I was surprised by who that mysterious advisor actually is. So they got a nice little twist in there as well. So, yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit. Excellent. All right, Justin, give us one of your picks. All right. So one of of my picks, I don't know if it'll be a surprise or not, but... um, I love Joe Minoski episodes so much. So one of my picks has to be Emergence. <laughs> it is such an out there, 
bizarre episode. I rewatched it today and I was thinking like, there is so much in here that is so strange, you know, because the, there, I mean, first of all, at the beginning of the episode, you know, Data is doing his Shakespeare thing with, with Picard and all of a sudden a train comes and looks like it's about to hit them and they have to move out of the way. And you're like, what the heck is going on that a train is about to hit them on this Shakespeare, uh, you know, recreation. Um, and then, you know, after that, there weird things are happening where they're, uh, you know, getting out of danger mysteriously. These things are growing in the Jeffries tubes. And it makes me think it's like a tangle of like neon straws. It looks yes. kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like there's these neon straws that kind of generate a force field to keep them away. And it just kind of gradually builds up. And they're on this train with all of these really weird characters. There's an engineer and a farmer and a gunslinger and a knight and, you know, all this crazy stuff and gangsters and so there's all kinds of weird stuff, mysterious things that are going on. And, you know, the, the computer is kind of um, developing its own intelligence. But at the end of it, all that it really wants to do is kind of have an intelligent offspring and then just let it float into the universe. It's totally bizarre, but I enjoy it every single minute of it. I really do. Yeah, it definitely is a out there episode and it is, it's just fun to watch, enjoy, sit back and enjoy the ride, if you will. Yeah, I actually really like this episode, but um, I don't know if they got the idea from, uh, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a movie that's coming out, the, uh, what was it, the Murder on or, or the Orient- Oriental Express or Oriental Express? Well, yeah, Orient it's Express. coming out, yeah, the Orient yeah. Express. Did they, yeah. did they, um basically copy that story because i was like i saw that and i was like i know this is an old story but well, like i mean the orient express was a real train line in the 19th century so that's one of the things that they were integrating into the story yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that I, I actually i really i really do like this episode uh it i'm glad that that movie's coming out which i will definitely go see but um yeah, it's yeah, it's one of my it's one of my favorites, and I I love that crazy straw little reference because I didn't even think of crazy straws because I got a ton of crazy straws in my uh, in my drawer that I could probably make that, <laughs> and they and they probably did something with with plastic. But I was reading more about this episode, and you know when when Joe Minoski did the first draft, I think the the director and producers looked at it and they were like, was he on mushrooms when he wrote this? Because apparently this was way, way even further out there than what we got on screen. And they thought that instead of, you know, the usual week, it would take them like a month to film it because it was just so it, I mean, I'd like to see what that concept was, but apparently it was much further out there and they had to kind of rein in that, that concept. So, and also like, I like that they have this train set and they have like this kind of outdoor New York set and they didn't have to build anything for that, for the, um, the train set. They actually took something that was used on a movie for Bram Stoker's Dracula, like a couple years before, and they transported it over to their set and just dressed it up a little bit and used it. And they already had like this New York, uh, city set on the Paramount backlot. So I kind of like that they repurposed all of this stuff and it, like there's these things that you haven't seen, I think, on the next generation before, but that looks new, but they just repurposed it from other stuff. So they're being really creative. Well, for my first pick, and I'm wondering if any of you chose it, I wanted to highlight Pegasus. And I know a lot of people like Pegasus, so I don't know if it's that unsung or not, but it's not on our list, so it's fair game. I really like Pegasus. I think it's a great, great episode. It's one that uh, just shows a great Riker dilemma. And to piggy tell it with the uh, last episode of Enterprise, these are the voyages. Like if you pair those together, I like them. (laughs) I like them paired together too, actually. Yeah. So I, I like that. And that we get to see that this story is continued, you know, so many years later. But I like Pegasus um, because it reminds me of the season two Matter of Honor, where Riker again has this dilemma of who or where are your loyalties? You know, with Matter of Honor, he's on the Klingon exchange student, you know, exchange student, the exchange or student not express, student, but the exchange <laughs> program. And, you know, the, the Klingon captain's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, give me the secrets. And, you know, and, and Riker's like, well, I'm going to be 
you know, loyal to you, but also not be disloyal to the Federation that was my first, you know, loyalties. And, and we get that same dilemma where he's has to be loyal to his first captain and, you know, and he struggles, do I share with Captain Picard? And so I just, I like seeing that uh, dilemma. And I think it's a great, great episode, fun, exciting techno babble and, and technology and sci-fi and, you know, little dealings with the Romulans. I mean, this episode just has it all. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot that I love about this episode. And one of the things is it has something we've never seen before in Star Trek, the phasing cloak, where you can be like cloaked and pass through objects, which is a really kind of out there concept that they just introduce. And then I don't think they really get into it at all anywhere else in, in the next generation era. But I love that concept. It has Captain Picard Day, which is so much fun. And we talked about on the funniest moments episode. Um, but also like the, the conflict that Riker has with, you know, a previous captain and his current captain also reminds me of the wounded where O'Brien has this conflict between his previous captain and with captain Picard. And I do like seeing that interplay, like where does the loyalty lie? Um, a previous promise you may have made not to talk about something, how valid is that now? So there's, there's a lot of really great stuff happening in, in this episode. It's definitely one of my favorites. What do you think, Richard? Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites as well. Um, I I don't have this anywhere on my any of my lists, so because um, I mean I I figured a lot of people actually like this episode, uh, but like uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those um, those ethical episodes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was our first round. So, Richard, give us uh, your second season seven unsung episode picks. So I chose this one because it from from this episode on we did um, we really don't hear it we don't we, we hear about this what okay the so I chose force of nature and mainly mm-hmm. because we hear about the obviously this the the warp uh, is it warp limit is that is warp speed yeah, limit? like a warp, there, speed, warp limit. speed limit yeah there we go so like you know and, and we really don't hear about any kind of impact that warp travel has on subspace or anything else really. I mean, we have, we hear it here and there, but you don't hear something like an actual speed limit. And, um, and I love this episode mainly because it sets that standard where, uh, we actually, uh, start seeing warp speed limit, sport speed limits, because it actually does have harm towards, um, you know, our, in a sense, our own environment in space. So, um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's not the, the best story, but that's ma- that's the main uh, reason why I chose that. <laughs> I mean, I like the story and the idea, but I've always found it a little bit confusing whether this speed limit was supposed to be just in this little sector where there was all this damage done, or if it was supposed to be everywhere. They refer to it like a few times later, but then they kind of drop it, so maybe they worked everything out. So it's one of those weird things I think where they wanted to go for a certain like environmental message, but it ended up maybe being too restrictive for what you needed to do in, in Star Trek. And they just kind of mention it once or twice and then just, just drop it. Right. Well, and I remember hearing a couple of times, um, like in D space nine, as well as Voyager and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so on that there was an actual speed limit. Like they were authorized to go exceed warp five or something like that or, or whatnot. And yeah. that's ultimately the reason why, you know, I mean, I really think that, yeah, a speed limit would probably be a good idea. <laughs> I mean, to save the environment, I'm sure. Yeah. I always thought it was just that sector. I mean, space is so large. And so I think you've got this some kind of perimeter imaginary line that, yeah, if you go faster on the other side of the quadrant, that it's not going to affect, you know. So I'd... I, that's in my head canon, but no, that's, I like that episode as well. And I, I think that they do reference it a couple more times. So we get that it is something that is important and that we want to continue to do. Yeah. Although I think what happens is that so often, you know, the, the crews are in emergency situations that they're just allowed to disregard it. (laughs) And so we don't hear about it every time. Yeah. Just like, uh, it's, it's important that we get there fast. So let's do it. But I mean, it's a very interesting concept that they that they put about that there should be some kind of 
kind of speed limit on what they do or some kind of limitation because usually in Star Trek, they're just keep pushing boundaries further and further and further and there doesn't seem to be a limit to what they can do. But here they're trying to think about whether there should actually be a limit, which is, which is really interesting. Yeah. All right, Justin, give us your second pick. Well, for my second pick, I'll, I'll preface it by saying that I've seen Zach Moore of Standard Orbit say that season seven is like the family reunion or family homecoming season because there's so many different <laughs> family members that come in. And But you know what? I like that aspect of it. And one of my favorite episodes is Inheritance, where we get to see uh, Data's mother, I guess in, in quotes. But, you know, I just rewatched this one today and it's it's a really moving episode um, and, and part of that is that Fionnola Flanagan, who plays Juliana Tainer, Dana's mother, does such a fantastic job of showing all of these emotions that, that she would have. And she's kind of reflecting, you know, of course, the reveal on the episode, spoilers if you haven't seen it, is that she's actually an android, but an android that's so advanced that she can do all of these emotional things. She doesn't know who she is. So she's kind of the like another side of what we've seen for for Data, who doesn't have emotions, except when he has the emotion chip, but I won't get into that. So Data without the emotions, and then you have Lore, who does have emotions, but he's this bad person, right? And then you have uh, Juliana, who has these emotions, is an android, but thinks that she's completely human, and so is a, like a really sympathetic character, and you feel what she's feeling, and you can really like connect with her on, on this great level. And I just, I just love it so much. Her performance is great, and just kind of exploring Data's past and, and all of those things. I think it's... And also, you know, you get... The last performance of Brent Spiner doing Noonien Sung when it was in the holodeck and talking about everything that happened. So it fills in all of these things. And I love all these parts of Data's story and his family that we get. And I think this is a really fantastic episode. Well, Justin, I did have that on my list. (laughs) So there's a duplicate there. But yeah, I put wrote it down because I like seeing this next generation of Android and how advanced and real life she is, you know, when she's get injured, she's to shut down and, you know, that she's aging, that that's written in her code. And I just, I think it's so interesting. Again, Data's dilemma is like, do we tell her the truth? And if you listen to Mission Log, the truth with a capital T, or do we not tell her that she is an android, you know, and just going through that, like when, when is the truth relevant? When do we need that? You know, and she can live just fine without it, you know, and she's going to expire. So yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) she's an android. No, 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 I get it. It's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but like in this case, if he tells her the truth, then, you know, Noonien Sung has programmed it so that the truth will literally kill her. She'll just shut down and die at that point. So, yeah. And so he yeah. has created this android psyche. I mean, how advanced is that? It's, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it's really something to take that other leap. Although, you know, of course, if you look back at the original series, there are androids that look that human, but I don't know if they feel as emotional or as sympathetic as, as what we see with, with, with Juliana, but I, I also think like, you know, the, the real Juliana Tainer dies and Noonien Sung's reaction to that is to build an android so that he can have a, a, a wife to continue. It feels, that part feels a little bit weird <laughs> that he's doing that, but really because he's creating this person or this android that is, that doesn't really know what's going on. And that's specifically for him really. Right. I mean, he's not creating her as, something like that's supposed to be the next advance, he misses having Juliana and he wants to create this person to continue. So that part feels a little, a little weird, although I I guess I can understand it. But we've seen that before when, um, oh, you'll have to help me out. Uh, the guy who they come down and it's this green patch on this destroyed Yeah. yeah, survivors, you know, where he, you know, loved his wife and he created this wife and this little patch of land. So for himself could, to assuage his guilt. Exactly. <laughs> for himself. I mean, yeah. that's that's the same place right there. 
No, when I say I it's weird, I mean, it, it, it has happened before. It just feels like, I don't know, maybe like an, an odd reaction that he feels like everything can be fixed <laughs> just by making an Android. But, yeah. but no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, really good, um, episode. And I always laugh when, when she tells the story that at first data wanted to go around completely naked because he didn't, wasn't affected by the elements and he didn't understand why he needed clothing. So just those, I, I, it's just hilarious to think about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so much, so much good stuff in, in this episode. And, um, I, I like it a lot. And again, Fianola Flanagan is, is excellent. And she also plays a Vulcan ambassador in Enterprise in a really excellent role there as well. So she's really good. <laughs> and I really enjoy this one a lot. And sorry, I took your, your choice, Amy. That's okay. I have honorable mentions. <laughs> okay. Richard, did you like Inheritance or are you along the lines with Zach Moore? And why do we have to meet another member, family member of the crew? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought so. I, I, it's, it's an all right episode. I, it's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we get to see um, more about Data, but, you know, what do we not know about Data? <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good episode. I really like it. Yeah. What do we not know about Data? We've seen, you know, father, mother, grandfather. Where are all the aunts and uncles and cousins <laughs> and... <laughs> We and need those, more of Data's family. And those that were removed in. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it's a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is that to me? I forgot. Well, yours got stolen, so I guess. Do you want it, to do a different that, that, second choice? Okay. There no, you go. There, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yep. There you go. All right. So I had, since Inheritance was on mine, I had one in its place. So I'm sort of glad because I wanted it really in my original. So thank you, Justin. But I wanted to highlight thine own self. And this is episode 16. And the reason why I chose this, I'm sure you guys and listeners will know, that this is where Deanna Troy makes Commander. Woohoo! And all that right. is always not a fan, worth I like a rewatch. <laughs> what? I, I, I would be a fan of it if we got it sooner. Like, I, I, I've oh, already, absolutely. I would have spoken, I mean, I've already spoken about it, obviously. It would have been better if this story was a lot sooner and we would have actually made some kind of um, use out of it. But we don't even, even in this, even in this, uh, this season, we don't even see anything about her doing anything about it. So, or uh, doing anything with it. So it's one of those episodes that are like a moot point. I mean, it's great that it happened, but. It, it's it is definitely the B plot for yeah. sure. I mean, because this is the one if you don't remember that where Data crashes and goes down and right. he's Jaden and he sees the uh, radioactive pieces and the and he the, loses his memory, right? Yeah, right, his town the townspeople yeah. are suspicious of him and they actually kill him and bury him and I mean that and and that's a good story too. I mean the whole episode is great, right. but you know my love of Deanna Troy so. I just wanted to make sure that that was mentioned as an unsung. But at least she's not like Harry Kim and never getting promoted. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a low blow. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Poor Harry Kim. Yeah. He gets, he gets promoted in the novels that take place after the show, but not before. <laughs> and also the season finale. <laughs> Well, okay, yeah, in an alternate finale. future, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So technically it didn't even happen. So there exactly. You know. <laughs> so at least this is canon. Yeah. Definitely a full commander. Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. So what I, did you guys think of Thine Own Self? It, I mean, it, it's a good episode. I, I haven't seen it for, for a little while, but um, I, I enjoy, you know, him, you know, data being somewhere on a planet and trying to, you know, work through things and he's lost his memory and he's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, you know, I, I like it a, a lot as, as an episode. Um, and then, you know, he's working together with a scientist on the planet to figure out what's going on. Right. So it's mm -hmm. always interesting when you see, uh, the, you know, the enterprise crew working with scientists on other planets and that have different cultural expectations and things like that, instead of doing all their science on the bridge on, on the ship. So I, I like that aspect of it too. 
Yeah, and I like that as well, that uh, that hands-on science and trying to, you know, explain, I guess, to people that don't know science, or, well, I mean, obviously, you know, actors, but, like, you know, uh, explain science to, you know, those who don't understand it, and it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting uh, that someone so advanced can, can teach it like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Awesome. Okay, well, this is round three, so Richard, give us your third pick. So, I chose Journey's End. I really love this episode. Uh, I I really you're sure because this is a Wesley. It is. (laughs) Is I'm just checking. I was going to get to that. (laughs) Okay, because I'm like, we've had to listen through six seasons of. Oh, it's a Wesley episode. (laughs) (laughs) It is, and. That's not the reason why I like it. Okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell us you like this version of Wesley and not the others and explain why, but okay. I, I, I never liked Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, yeah, I understand that he's leaving and that's probably the A plot, but I love the B plot. <laughs> so, and that's the Native Americans. Well, I guess I guess that's the A plot. It in ties into Wesley's what Wesley's doing. You can't yeah. avoid it. Wesley is important in this episode. <laughs> I'm going to have to default with my illogical side. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And mainly because I love it that Native Americans still exist in the 24th century. Um, and, you know, they keep it up with that tradition and uh, with their ways and whatnot. And they don't have to, they didn't conform to the, obviously what everyone else. And also they survived World War III. <laughs> so and they were able to keep their uh, culture alive. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the main reason why I love that. It's not. I'm gonna be on record and say that it's not because of Wesley. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, that's the main reason why I love this episode. That um, yeah. Yeah, I I, <clears throat> I like Journey's End quite a bit as well. Um, you know, the, it, it is really interesting because, you know, they're, uh, this group of Native Americans are on this planet and they're being asked to, to relocate. And Picard makes the connection like, you know, this is a group, a group of people that has been asked to, to relocate before because it was more convenient for other people. And why are we doing this? Isn't there another alternative? So I like how Picard is advocating for them. But I also like, unlike Richard that um, it's kind of the completion of Wesley's journey, you know, that, that started all the way back in season one when the Traveler first came onto the ship. Wait a minute, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I just had something. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, but, but like all the way back in season one and where no one has gone before, where you see the Traveler is, is there and recognizing something special in, in Wesley, and that kind of continues. And now it's gotten to the point where he can go on his own journey with the Traveler, in effect, kind of become a Traveler. I like that they've kind of picked that up and it's come full circle. So I like it just as much for the, the Wesley plot. So I'm going to reverse what I said and say I do love this episode all the way through because this is the episode that Wesley leaves. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Richard. <laughs> Well, I like Journey's End too, and in part because we've seen Wesley and we get to know him as the kid who's always, and and we talked about this previously, but the kid who's always trying to please and do what's right and do the best that he can and, and, you know, live up to his father's expectations, to Picard's expectations, to his mother's expectations, and just try and live this life that others want him to be. And I just think it makes him so relatable to so many kids. I mean, not every kid is a hooligan and trying to break rules. And this is the first time that we see him actually take ownership of his life. And I just feel that that is so, so relatable to so many teens. And so I really love it for that switch and that, He's going into adulthood and taking ownership of his life and and really claiming responsibility that this is my choice and this is what I want to do. I just think that is so powerful. So I really like that. And yeah. Well, I wanted to add one thing, which is that, you know, for Wesley, his 
his father and his mother, both in Starfleet. Um, and there's kind of this expectation that, that he's going to do the same. And he's followed along with that for all of these years and felt like maybe it was the, the right thing to do, but he's not feeling it by this point. And so he decides to do something different. So I like how that, that expectation, you know, kind of changes and that Starfleet isn't the be all and end all of, of everything. There are other things that, that people can do and, and decide to do. Um, that may work just as well for them. And I like that as well, because that is a, you know, a lesson for, for people that are watching it, just because your parents did something or there's an expectation that you do something or that people put a certain value on a certain profession or a certain thing that you might do doesn't mean you have to do that thing. You can do the thing you really want to do, even if it means becoming almost like a mythical being, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so... No instruction manual for that yet, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. Great pick, Richard. Well, Justin, give us your third choice. Okay, so for my third choice, again, I, I don't know, maybe, I don't know whether this would be a surprise or not. <laughs> it's probably not, if what I'm it's, thinking. It's piqued my interest. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I chose the episode Attached. Amy's surprised. Um I love this episode a lot um, because, you know, this, so I, I think I've said before that the person that I think it really is right for Picard is Nella Darren, but I think that uh, Beverly Crusher is right there behind her um, and is, is really good for Picard. And I, I love how they kind of like open up to each other and they're reading each other's thoughts. And there's all of these things that are, I, I don't know why, because I'm usually not into like relationships on Star Trek, but it really moves me and it, it works for me. And it also works that they don't kind of take it completely like they, they know where they stand, but they're not going to take it completely in that direction and be like, Oh, let's start dating and exploring this because that would have consumed a lot of the last part of the season. Um, but there's a lot of things that I that I like about the episode. I mean, it's not just the the uh, Crusher Picard stuff. There's a really interesting, um, you know, plot that's going on where there's this planet that wants to be admitted to the Federation. That's made up of these two different species, the Kess and the Prit. Um, and one of them seems like they're ready for membership, and the other's isolationist. And Picard's having a really hard time with this because he says that every other Federation world that's been admitted has been completely unified in their government and, you know, in their outlook and all of that. And this one is, is divided and they're trying to work through that. But in the course of, of the episode, you know, as uh, Crusher and Picard get kidnapped and, you know, there's all this stuff going on. The one faction that they think is going to be a great Federation member turns out to be completely like paranoid and suspicious. And they find out through this whole mission that they're not ready to join the Federation. And I, I like that, that part as, as well. Um, so I don't know, there's just a lot of stuff that I like about this episode. And I, this is one of the times where like Crusher and Picard kind of works together for me and I like it a lot. So I don't know, what do you guys think? Well, Justin, you're two for two because Attached was uh, on my yeah. list as well. So you didn't expect me to choose it, huh? No, I thought for sure row. I was going uh, row. Yes. strike? Yes. No, I was thinking that too. <laughs> so you surprised me. <laughs> Well, so why I chose Attached was very similar to what you said. The relationship between Picard and Crusher. Like, we see it right at the beginning in season one, the Naked Now and the little <clears throat> uh, <laughs> Beverly. Oh, so we're going by first names. Anyway, so we see it throughout and just their unspoken glances that they have throughout the entire series and now to finally that those glances now have words because they're attached is so <laughs> amazing. Right. And <laughs> exactly. And so it's like they already know each other, other's thoughts, but now they're hearing it. And I just think that is so revealing and so opening and makes them both so vulnerable. But you're right. They know where they are. They know where they stand. They did this entire time. Um, and I just think it makes their every moment previous to this episode so much more special. It just ties a lovely bow on everything that they've shared from all the way back from season one, you know, dealing with Wesley and having sharing their breakfast together and, you know, talking about Vosh and, 
and Nella Darren to each other. Like all of these things just get so just concluded, just a nice closing to their awesome friendship with a hint of relationship. It's just, I, I really enjoy it. So, and it's a fun escape episode, you know, they, that's fun to see them escape too. So. What do you think of the episode, Richard? Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, it's one of those, I actually forgot about this episode. Um, I can't believe I did. So it is unsung. (laughs) (laughs) It is unsung. Yeah. I, I I thought, and I, for some reason I thought this was like season five or season six, but, um, yeah, season seven. Wow, I had no idea that uh, it was it was in this season. So um, yeah, I absolutely love this episode. It's one of those ones where you know, I, I mean, who doesn't want to know what what their spouse or or a good friend is thinking at that moment? Right. <laughs> I well, but it brings up a, it brings up a question. Do you really want to know all of those thoughts? Because one of the things that that um, they talk about is. I have these thoughts, but I've learned not to say them, right? Because there are all these random things that can go into your mind, but is that really your intention or your mind is just like working through something and different possibilities? So I don't know if I'd want that because it may not be actually representing your true intentions. Well, but I would love to have a switch to just just turn it on and off and just those those moments that I do want to know... Click. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> that's why the Vi- yeah. That's why the Vulcan mind meld is so perfect. Like I'm going to yeah. share this portion of my mind and psyche with you. So right, and that's that's yeah. what. And it's a great it's a great comic. Really, I love it. I love when they're you know basically can't separate each other uh, separate from themselves from each other and and whatnot. It's they walk in a certain proximity. Distance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they walk a certain distance. They're like, oh, I'm getting nauseous. I need to be near you. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very interesting idea. There was something else I wanted to talk about for this. So this was an episode that was written by uh, Nick Sagan, who's the son of famous astronomer Carl Sagan, which I think is really awesome. Mm. That that, and he wrote, I think, uh, Bloodlines too, which is the one later in the season where Picard has this son he didn't know about. Mm. More on the family reunion, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, I think that's just really cool that that uh, somebody who was the son of an astronomer, a really famous astronomer, was just into the next generation and wanted to you know break in and write some episodes. And he was like 23 years old at the time, and I think he wrote a really great episode. Um, yeah, I think there's just there's just a lot of good stuff in here, and there's there's one quote from Picard that I always connect with, and I always really like, like when uh, Crusher and Picard are in the prison. He said, there's a way out of every box, a solution to every puzzle. I love that optimism that Picard has. No matter what the situation, there's going to be some way they're going to get through it. There's going to be some other alternative or option. And I, I take that to heart in my own life when I think about what seems like a tough situation, that there's got to be some solution or some other thing that you're not thinking about at the time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, good. Captain Picard is so wise. He is. Give them a couple of days of captivity and it'll change. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good thing that we do have honorable mentions and that uh, since Justin took my third pick, so I will use my second honorable mention and to talk about another family reunion one, uh, Dark Page. And I really believe that this episode is definitely unsung and maybe some of you listeners don't. Uh, like this, but I would like to share with you why I enjoy Dark Page. Um, I really like it for, um, again, yes, Deanna Troy has a sister that she never knew about, but to see Luoxana and her psyche shut down and with the whole um, telepathic, is that what it's called? Yeah. I think they talk about telepath. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and how much strain that is on the brain. And, and so we see Luoxana just sort of shut down. Um, I think from carrying this burden for so long and the mental fatigue that she has, and then really using uh, Deanna to, and Deanna just sort of helps her mother, which is interesting because they've always, 
you know, kitted with each other and, oh, my mother's coming on board. Oh, I have to see my mother, you know, so there's that. But then in time of need, they're going to be there for each other. And so I just think it really tells a, a much deeper story about Luoxana that we don't always see, especially in the early seasons, that she's just there for the comic relief. But it really brings her story and, and her life and therefore Deanna's life a deeper level. So I, I enjoy Dark Page quite a bit. Here's how unsung this episode is. I'm trying to read about it now because I totally didn't remember what it was about. And I probably Aww. haven't seen it in a really long time and may have skipped it in some rewatches. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So I don't even really remember much about it. Richard, maybe you remember something. <laughs> No, actually, I was doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you don't remember Luoxana being unconscious and yeah, Deanna learning about this child and, you know, and wondering who she is and then finally confronting her mother about it. And the I've, I've definitely seen it, but I think yeah. I've probably skipped it on some rewatches. Okay. Yeah, probably. I, it's been a very long time since I've seen seen. I, come to think of it, I don't think I've really seen a lot of the. Or no, uh, wait, let me let me re, 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 rephrase that. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the season seven episodes in a while because um, it looks like, yeah, I haven't seen a, I, I haven't seen this one, or at least I I don't remember seeing this in a, a very long time. I remember watching it, but I don't remember what it was completely about. But. Yeah. All right. Well, listeners and co-hosts, <laughs> yes, I I'm, would I'll, I'll recommend, it. I, will I would too. recommend a rewatch for Dark Page. All right. Well, that is um, our picks and my honorable mentions are used up. So Richard, did you have any honorable mentions that you want to talk about or nope. are we good? No, nope. okay. oh, we were good on mine. Okay. Justin. Well, um, I, I had a couple as as I was thinking about uh, season seven. Um, you know, one of the ones that I really like, yes, Zach, another family reunion episode, <laughs> is Homeward. Yep. Yeah, Homeward, where, where Worf has his, I guess it's like his foster brother. Yeah, something like, or no, it, no, it's, it's his, it's Rojenko. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, so it's actually Steph- the Rojenko's brother Isn't this, something oh right 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 yep. <laughs> yeah but but his adopted parents the rojenkos that was their biological son right yes something mm-hmm. like that okay i need to get that straight but anyway <laughs> so he's been working with with this this culture i guess um you know um surreptitiously like they do when they're when they're observing cultures and it looks like that culture is about to be destroyed by some natural disaster i don't remember exactly what but you know, he has some this storms or something. Yeah, some storm, some crazy storm is going to wipe them out. But, but um, you know, and he doesn't want to see that happen. So he actually has the idea that he's going to transport them to a holodeck on the Enterprise and have them live things out as if, you know, it was on their planet and they'd transport them somewhere. So I think it's a really interesting prime directive story. It's an interesting idea to think about this culture not being aware of what's going on and actually transporting them over to another planet. Um, and yeah, I'm like, they're not going to know, but whatever. (laughs) Only one person knew and he died in sick bay, but I don't know. It, 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 it stretches things a little bit, but I, I just like that, that whole idea and, you know, trying to preserve culture and trying to kind of work their way out of this, you know, prime directive dilemma. So I, I like the episode. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, again, Rojenko, he's okay. If he's supposed to be there, not interacting, but then, it, or maybe that's just where I've got it wrong because he ends up having a kid, and he's he's so, disguised himself as as one of um, you know the the native species there, right? But yeah, he's yeah, gotten married so to someone. So he's going to go have a children and offspring with this society. I don't know. I found that part to be a little weird, but it has its issues. But I I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth worth a rewatch if, if people wanted to, to check it out. And the actor... Uh, it's, it's Paul Sorvino, isn't Paul it? Paul Sorvino, yeah. yeah. He, he does a great job, and it's always enjoyable to see him. So He does. He's, he's, he's awesome in the episode. And I, I mean, that may be one of, one of the big reasons why I enjoy the episode, because I love you know, so much of what he does. 
Yeah. Um, I had one more I wanted to mention. I'm not sure how unsung it is, but I love the Gambit two-parter a lot. <laughs> it's so much fun to see Picard, you know, as kind of this pirate archaeologist and all this stuff that goes on. I won't go into it in detail, but I I love Gambit a lot, so I had to give it a mention. Yeah. It is. It's really fun. And to see, again, those sideways glances between Riker and Picard and pretending like they don't know each other and... And they when get to get out some aggression by punching each other, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm like wondering how long that took. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, why don't you give us your overall season seven ideas and thoughts? Richard, let's start with you. Despite that it's basically a fan reunion, I actually like a lot of the stories uh, throughout this whole entire season. Because, I mean, it is. it feels like it's closing the chapters and basically um, you know, it, it, it's the series finale and they all know it. And I absolutely love that some of these stories um, we get to see, um, you know, basically shutting out their chapters. So, well, I mean, obviously some go on, uh, go on to other series or obviously Worf goes on to another series and we don't see anyone else really, but I mean, it's, I, I, that's what I absolutely love about this, uh, this season that it's very nostalgic and yes, I know Zach, <laughs> it's a, fam- <laughs> it's a failure reunion, but ultimately it's also a serious finale and, um, it, it works perfectly. So yeah, that's my thoughts about season yeah. seven. Justin? Well, you know, for for season seven, I think it has a reputation of being a weaker season. And I think in some ways that's true because you have things like Sub Rosa that bring it down um, and a few others that I'm not too... I'm actually surprised (laughs) you didn't pick Sub Rosa, Amy, because you love the most unsung episodes that are possible, (laughs) but... um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are certain ones I'm, I'm, I'm not that, that into, um, like Sub Rosa. And there's also, you know, a few others like Interface where Jordy is talking to his dead mother, but not really so, which is That was weird. this close to making it on my list, Interface was. I'm not surprised, <laughs> but it's, it's weird. And there's some episodes that are, that are odd like that. But I mean, at the same time, it has some really strong episodes. It has the Gambit two-parter, which I like, the Phantasms and... Attached, Inheritance, Parallels, Pegasus, Homeward, you know, there's a Journey's End. Lower Decks. Lower Decks, Preemptive Strike, All Good Things. It goes on and on. So there's a lot of really great episodes. I think it is weaker than five and six, which are probably the peak of Next Generation. But we found a lot of great episodes to, to look at. And there's a lot of, of really good ones for listeners to take a look at and rewatch. And even some hosts to rewatch, like Dark Page, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, but... <laughs> But, you know, overall, I think it is a good conclusion to The Next Generation, and there's a really good set of strong episodes. And, of course, you know, when you take a look at the season, it's hard to forget that it finishes up with All Good Things, which is, like, one of the best Star Trek things ever. So even if there are some weaker points, they finished out on such a high, high point that 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 counts for a lot, I think. Absolutely. And I, too, agree. I, looking at the list of episodes... I think there are some that I've sort of not included in any of my rewatches. I'm like, oh, this has been a long time. And I've had to like, what, what is this one about? But they, there are some very, very strong ones. And yeah, we didn't even talk about Lower Decks. I'm surprised that, but I think that's one that so many people already enjoy. I had actually suggested we put it on the uh, off limits list because mm. I think a lot of people love it, yeah. but we but enough, none of us chose it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, they, that, that's that's another story. I'm not quite as into it as a lot of people are, but. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, in Genesis, I mean, they just, they really experimented with this last season. You know, you've got Genesis and masks and, you know, I just think it's so interesting. And they do have a lot of closure to a lot of the stories like we talked about with Journey's End and. You know, so I I enjoy season seven. I like all the seasons, though, so I don't know how that makes my opinion. But I know you um, don't like to rank things, but I, I can't yeah. help but rank things and think that some things are stronger than others. But I love that you love all of it. It's great. <laughs> so, well... It's been fun going over unsung episodes from season seven and so sad to close the chapter on our fun little TNG 30 anniversary specials. 
But it isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, Warp 5. Who are the who is that musician band like that with the the Greeblies? The what? <laughs> was it who are those wow. weird looking neighbors that the Flintstones had? Like those monster neighbors. The, weren't oh, they the Greeblies? Wow. I forget. That that's a deep cut right there. <laughs> I was about to say, dude, that's like four years old deep right there. Yeah. <laughs> to the journey! I kind of figured he would just be able to like make another mobile emitter for the doctor. <laughs> Wouldn't he? He'd use his nanoprobes for that. Yeah. Right, put some nanoprobes on the job, they'll make the doctor a new mobile yeah, emitter. Exactly. Absolutely. Lickety split. Can I have my mobile emitter? Oh yeah. He never asked though, did he? <laughs> no, he did. If he'd asked him, he'd just been like, oh yeah, here you go. Primitive culture. A look at history and culture through Star Trek. There is very much in Star Trek a kind of essentially moral worldview that is pertaining culturally in that world in the same way as, you know, say in the Arthurian court, you have this kind of moral world. You sound like you're agreeing with Dr. McCoy that this is medievalism. (laughs) Nothing wrong with medievalism. As you were talking. Good medievalism, you know. (laughs) Literary treks. Yeah, you know, I, I... I think I made what little hints I gave in previous books about who had done it and why. I, I, I left sort of vague, but there were a couple of details that I had to hit because I'd seeded them in earlier novels. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. Especially for to be entered into the drawing. Yes, especially if you're in the U.S. because you can get a chance to win the Art of Juan Ortiz for the next generation. (laughs) If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We just had a listener uh, post on Facebook that she was getting rid of her iPhone and going to an Android, so you can listen to Earl Grey on those apps, hopefully you will find us there and continue to listen. <laughs> it's not hard to find us. We're everywhere. Yes. <laughs> well, no, we I mean love. <laughs> yeah, we are. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. And there are many ways for you to do that. Best place is to talk to us on the Babel Conference. That's our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. Every time I read that, I think that's exactly how I found the Babel Conference. Because I was listening to someone tell me, B-A-B-E-L. So you were there typing you go, it listeners. as you were listening? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at TrekFM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. So, Amy, where can people find you when you're not watching unsung episodes? Well, you can find me here on the network. I host The Edge with Brandon Shea Mutella, Michael Schindler, and Aaron Harvey. You can find me doing the mini show, Postcards from the Edge, where we talk about the fan response for our new Star Trek Discovery I'm also on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place is on the Babel Conference. Once I found it, I've never left. Richard, where can people talk to you? Uh, well, they can find me on Facebook. I'm also on the Babel Conference. Uh, and yeah, I am also on Twitter. My handle is XRansom. Oh, sorry. Justin, where can people <laughs> find you? <laughs> Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Happy to announce, just finished my Season 3 rewatch of Next Generation, about to go on to Season 4. Well, it's about About time. time. I know, I've been distracted by, you know, participating in this show and watching Discovery and all that stuff. But 
I'm finally there. Eat, <laughs> so, sleep, drink, and then watch Star Trek and then go to bed. Then repeat. <laughs> um, pretty much, yeah. I think there's some work in there somewhere, but I don't nah, know. Nah, you don't need that. Don't <laughs> oh, need yeah. That. <laughs> so anyway, you can follow me as I uh, tweet about my season four rewatch of The Next Generation. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. Well, if you'd like to help keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. There's some amazing perks at the $5 level. You can get into our website, Patron Zone, where you get uh, early content and or early releases of our episodes and exclusive content. At the $15 level, you can join our roundtables that we have and get dropped on our master feed. And at the $25 level, you can become an associate producer. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope that you'll join the team. Again, you can find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And we'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, and Michael Huter. Thank you so much for supporting Earl Grey. So join us next week for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die! Are those party straws? Great joy and gratitude.